What is up, everybody, and welcome into the Keeping It 1000 podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. I'm your host, Adam Mares, and I'm joined by my esteemed co-host, former Denver Nuggets coach, George Carl. Coach, how's it, how's it going? Oh, it's doing great. I love the fall, and I uh, love NBA basketball being on TV every night, and, uh, you know. It's time to evaluate what's going on. What the hell is going on out there? <laughs> what the hell is going on indeed? This might be a what the hell's going on type of uh, episode of this show here today. First, I'll ask you, though, how much basketball are you watching? Are you watching a game a night right now? Um, there's usually a game that I have zoned in, but I, I bounce around. I, I like watching the fourth quarter of close games. Mm. So, you know, the, about the six... 6.30 time is where you all kinda, you're zooming around the different games and trying to figure out last-minute situations and circumstances. But there's always one game kind of you want to go after, and when the nuggets are, on, nuggets are on, that's probably the prime game. But haven't looked at it today, tonight. Uh, I don't know which one's going to not that good at games tonight. Yeah. Atlanta, Utah is the only one. Tonight is kind of a bad slate. I know because I have to talk about all those games later today. Uh, so I was looking at it earlier. Um, we were talking about this a little bit before, but you know, who are some of the teams that you like? Who are the teams that, that maybe you're more drawn to? You mentioned the Nuggets. Who, who else out there? Or maybe players. Maybe it's players you're drawn to. Um, I don't zone in on players until you know, middle of the season. But Why? Because I think it's a team game, yeah, and, okay. and and what young players are learning to be a winner, what uh, really good all-star players are committed to themselves or committed to their team. Uh, the guy I like right now probably is Memphis and uh, Morant. Yeah, I think that kid is pretty damn committed to being one of the best, and I think Charlotte and Memphis have been my teams from last year. Yeah, and they're still my teams. Do you like LaMelo, the way he plays? You know, I think he's a young player, and he makes young mistakes, and he's a little soft for me at times, but mm. I like his influence on the game, yes. Yeah. You know, really, really, vision is really good at a high, high, high level. I can't believe he's turned into a good shooter already. I think that, <laughs> might, that might fade as the season goes on when his body gets speed up a little bit. Uh, I think the other two teams are kind of impressive to me are Miami, and I gotta throw Chicago in there. Yeah, I gotta throw Chicago. Glad in you there. did. Uh, Utah's playing at their level or maybe a little better in the West. Phoenix has been disappointing. Dallas has been disappointing. I'm nervous on San Antonio because I looks like they could have a really bad year instead. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, next week it'll probably be some other teams. I'm just looking at the – I mean, Miami 6-1, and one, and they've been great, def especially defensively, but I didn't realize they have a differential right now of 17 points per game. They're winning by an average of 17 points per game on the season. I know it's a short, only seven-game sample size, but that's impressive nonetheless. Nobody even comes close to that. They might be the best team in the NBA right now. i got to say I'm a little surprised by just how good they've been right out of the gate, but they have good players and a great coach. Um, I like their defense a lot. Uh, there are a it's incredible of, defense. Yeah, there are a couple teams right now look like they've gotten a little better defensively than most other teams in the league, and Miami's definitely top of that list. Um, there's another team. Oh, Golden State's playing pretty good defense. Golden State, for a team that likes to play with pace, 
they're pretty committed to that. I mean, I think Wiggins doesn't get enough love for being a really, really, really good defender. Mm. And they got Iguodala in there and Jonathan Poole, who I think is going to be – it's going to be unbelievable when Thompson comes back to have those three guys out there on the court. Yeah. Uh, but I think Golden State has uh, been impressive at the defensive end of the court. Yeah. Chicago's an interesting one. I mean, I'm a big Lonzo fan. I like Zach Levine a lot. I like Caruso. They're, they're, I think they might be my early favorite for my, my I call it my side piece team. I like that team so much because <laughs> it fits how I think you should build a team. Let me hear it. What is it? Well, instead of going after young players and put up with mm. the nightmare of young players trying to be a winning player, and and then this, the tug of war that gets in between player coach, coach management yeah. on young players, they went out and got three veteran players. Yep. All three of them ha are having an impact. Uh, Rosen. The Rosen is having a rejuvenation of yeah. getting thirty, taking very, you know, and, you know, the, they're taking the two point shot a lot, but he's having a revival, revitalized uh, kind of career. And then Ball and Caruso know how to make teams better. Yeah, and uh, you know, you could have went out and signed a younger guy, or you could, you know, mm -hmm. they they have a the white kid sitting on the bench. Not playing. They have a, they have two guys hurt right now that are their number yeah. one draft picks the last two years. And it is funny because Kobe White was one of those guys that I'm sure fans last year loved. Like he loved his upside, this or that. And now this year you have a good team and he's not playing. Well, I think he's hurt, but I'm not yeah. sure of that. But uh, I, I, I didn't expect. I mean, I've always Zach Levine. I think might be the best. Other than Durant, Levine to me might be the hardest guy to cover. Really? I don't know how you cover him if he's making threes. Yeah, yeah. If he's making threes, he can get to the rim, he can dunk, he makes. And you know what's funny is everybody in the league, I was looking at this, but everybody in the league is, you know, the, the way the referee are refereeing the game, the free throws are going down. Yep. But you know, uh, Zach Levine's free throws are going up. <laughs> and the thing I did not realize about the Chicago Bulls, is Vukovic is a good passing big guy. Yeah. He's not in Jokic's class. Of course. But the kid is a really good passing big guy. And he kind of likes getting the ball to those guys. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's interesting that, you know, Vukovic, I always thought was a guy who can score points. Down on the low at, block. Yeah. At times, he actually, I thought, scored meaningless points. And I never really loved them, but I liked them. But I like him. I like him more in Chicago than I did in Orlando. The pieces fitting. This is what I hate about the super team era: is some of these teams, in my opinion, have become so good that the way that they fit, the margin has just gotten so wide, and I don't like that. I like when a team has players that it just blends, and you think, oh, these strengths match up, the roles are defined, this or that. And I think Chicago is on pace. It's early, but they're on pace to be one of those teams where you think. None of these guys, I don't know if any of them are all-stars. Zach Levine's an all-star, and Vucevic has made an all-star in the East. But I don't know you think about any of these guys as necessarily superstars, but they all come together in this way that just makes them so interesting, and that's what I like. That's the best basketball are teams that just come together that way. The Denver Nuggets haven't quite gotten there yet uh, to start the season, and that's obviously going to be the focus here tonight. So just – Give me your first initial overarching perspective on the Denver Nuggets so far. I gather from talking to you before we went live, you're a little skeptical of their of, of them so far. 
I don't think I've gone skeptical. I think I'm disillusioned a little bit. And yeah. the reason I say that is, you know, Murray went down last year, and they played unbelievably well. And they played the right way. They knew they had to play hard. They knew they had to play together. They knew they had to, you know, figure out in a game how to win a game. And they were great at it. Mm -hmm. And then I see a totally different team this year. I see a team... Um, not playing with enough energy. Uh, defensively, not giving me, you know, they're okay, but they're not. And, I mean, I, I asked you, but you said the Phoenix game was a good game. One, I thought Phoenix stunk in that game. <laughs> and two, they were down 20 in that game. Yeah. And, and the other game that was an impressive win was Dallas. And I swear Jokic had a party at his house. And don't you expect everything <laughs> And they drank a case of vodka. Yeah, I mean, that's possible. It, it would have been Rocky and not vodka. But um, maybe, you know, second night of a back-to-back, -back, Denver really spanked him in that one. I thought the Minnesota game was impressive as well. It was ugly. Sometimes you have to win ugly second night of a back-to-back. -back. Minnesota, maybe not a great team, but they're not a terrible team. And that was one Denver, nothing went right for them, and they still found a way to win that one. So that mm. one's impressive too, to me. <clears throat> well, Jokic is... Jokic is amazing, yeah. and he's just, he's, um, <clears throat> I think he's still amazing, but I think, I think he's analyzing what's going on out there. He's trying to figure out what he can do to lift this team better than he's doing now, and I don't know if there is a lot of things he can do more. I think he's actually he's looking to do less if there's someone that would take that responsibility. When you say he's looking around analyzing, because I agree with you. This is me reading some body language and just kind of knowing his rhythms. I do feel like there have been some games where he's kind of like, let me see what this guy's got. Let me see what goes up if I do this or this or what, what happens. And where maybe he could be a, aggressive and win a game or win a quarter or do this or that. But it's almost more of a he's just taking notes. Let me see who I have, who I have with me. So I agree. Um, but do you get the sense then, you know, in watching him, I think he looks better. Do you look, do you get the sense though, that he is, um, looking at something or someone in particular and trying maybe analyzing those players about how he fits in with them? Um, <clears throat> I think he has too many players out there that he's going to analyze. <laughs> It's, but he's played with all these. This is the thing. As you mentioned, last year, it's the same team. They added Jeff Green for Paul Millsap. Everybody else is the same. So why is it so much analyzing going on or, or needed? Well, my answer would be because you get tired of hearing it. I'll say it one more time. I don't think they have great playmaking, decision-making. Yeah. Make the game easy. Make the game flow. The only one that does that on a consistent basis is Jokic. Right, and Morris has had a, had a bad start to yeah. the season. I mean, he's not shooting it well. He's not getting a high number of assists. It seems like they're searching for that position a little bit. Faku has lost his, you know, whatever and the glory that he had last year. It seems like you know they're trying to find who to play back there a little bit right now. Could Monte? fix this problem i mean monte had a rough summer it sounds like he didn't play a lot of basketball so he's I, I, a slow start isn't totally su surprising to me but is it enough if you just get one guy one point guard why didn't enough? he play a lot of basketball he had a knee injury oh he had a knee injury he had a he was recovering from all summer i didn't know that i think he's a worker and had to take uh, the summer off 
I think Monte is a good player. I think he's a good NBA player. I don't know if he's a starting NBA right. player. I would say no to that right now. But, you know, I like his no-nonsense, low-turnover basketball mentality. At times, I think I want him to be more orchestrate-oriented than shot-oriented. But I could say that about almost every team on everybody on this team, except for, except for Jokic. Do you think Jokic's defense looks improved this season? It's, I know it's only eight games. It's hard. Anybody can have a good stretch for eight games. He has, but. he has a little more of a comfort zone at the defensive end of the court. He kind of knows where. He doesn't. He doesn't get caught in what I call no man's land. He gets. He's usually up or back. And uh, in a good rhythm, you know, he's not he's not going he's not leaving too early. He's uh, you know he's got a lot, he's got more confidence in the pick and roll game. Uh, he's got a, you know he's been kind of the the big man in making threes has been a little bit of a problem. I'm not sure it's always been his fault. Right. But big men making threes like last night's game, uh, you know, that's that's going to become a bigger and bigger part of our game. I mean, we got Val Shunas now shooting threes. Right. <laughs> uh, I I don't know what the next guy is. I think Plumley. He's not shooting threes. And Charlotte is going to start shooting he's threes. Not, he's not going to be shooting threes. I'm going to bet you by the end of, this, end of the year he's shooting more threes. Can I take this bet? No. <laughs> Let me make a phone call. Because Mason Plumley, he's he would be one of the last guys. I saw him um, working on it when I was in yeah. Charlotte's camp. He's yeah, working funny. on it. I, he used to do it in Denver in practice. You know, he'd end his practice by doing some threes around the horn. I mean... I'm sure it just keeps things light. Well, tell me who you like, who you want. Well, what's wrong with the Nuggets? Um, I, I want mean, to I come think, in here and interview you. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Flip the script on me. We're going to get to some of those here in a bit. The, the bench is a problem. Michael Porter's a problem. I, to me, the is Denver a perfect team if you correct those two things? Pro, not perfect. I, I mean, they're they're missing a big piece in Jamal Murray, and they won't be made whole till then. But the bench is Michael Porter, but I want we'll get to those. I want to stay on Jokic for just a little bit more. I wonder, you mentioned earlier the rules um, and how they've changed and free throws are down. I wonder if you feel there's any correlation between Jokic's improved defense, especially in the pick and roll, and the new rules sort of allowing perimeter players to chase guys around pick and rolls a little bit closer than before. Because I actually predicted before the season that this was going to be a good defensive year for Jokic for that very reason. And I don't know if that's the reason. I don't, I don't have like film evidence to say this is why he's been better. But I'm wondering if you think it makes it easier for bigs to guard the pick and roll now. Um, I think it is. I think it is. I think the not only on the offensive player having an advantage shooting the ball and leaning in and not, not giving that right. call up. I think they're letting more physicality if you have good position. Well, Jokic knows position. Right. He knows where to play from. Sometimes he just doesn't get there in time. And I think that helps him. And then I don't, you know, he's like, he doesn't go after a lot of shots. He, right. He, miss, he, he, body, he body bumps more blocks. He blocks more shots with his lower body than he does with his upper body, which they're, 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 they're allowing you to do more this year than ever before. Uh, so, yeah. I think you're right. I think the refereeing um, is helping some teams and hurting other teams. Helping some players even. And Yoke, so, you know, he's a guy that doesn't really do a lot of the things that they have taken away. He likes the physicality. I think he thrives in physicality. So the more physical the game gets, the better it is for him, mm -hmm. I think. 
Here's a quote from Michael Malone earlier this week. He said, we're only seven games in, and sometimes I look at him, being Jokic, and I feel he's got the weight of the world on his shoulders. I feel for Nikola because reigning MVP, so much is being asked of him every night. I feel that. I worry he almost feels like he has to play perfect. Not for us to win, but for us just to have a chance. Michael Malone's referencing one of the things that was I was concerned about coming into this year, which is that Jokic has had to do so much and play every game and, and carry the team through all of this or that as another shortened offseason. And here you are in a season where the team looks pretty flawed. Jokic has been pretty great. But if he's anything less than great, you're not winning against about 20 teams in the NBA. Jokic has to be have an A game or else the team's probably not going to win. If you're a coach, and I'm sure you've had moments like this with players that are tasked with carrying so much of the load, how much of a concern is that about, hey, this is 82 games. We're eight games in. He's already carrying the weight of the world on his shoulders. Well, I didn't see that quote, so that, that makes me a little leery of uh, he, he sees him every day. He knows him better than probably anybody else. He made a point to say, this is not Yoke. He's never said anything. This is just me. Right. This is just me. So, Well, um, I mean, the numbers are definitely on that side. I mean, they're plus 82 and a minus 62. <laughs> it's absurd. I mean, it's out, of, it's out of control when you look at it. But the bench has got to play better. Yeah, uh, the players got to take more responsibilities. Just play better. I think Houston game is going to help them get their confidence somehow back. Right. Uh, but you know, I thought Jeff Green would be more impressive. Uh, but maybe the bench is just kind of searching a little bit right now. You know, my thought is maybe put Jeff Green in the starting lineup and mess around with man the rotation a little bit. But you know, it might be a little too early for that too. Yeah. The when to make decisions is always interesting. When to make big moves for a coach. You don't want to be a knee jerk, but you also don't want to sit and let lose the same way game after game. I mean, how do you weigh those things if you're Mike? He's already made some adjustments to the bench, and we're only eight games in. How do you how do you weigh not being making knee jerk reactions, but with acting with urgency? Well, <clears throat> the quote that comes to mind is George Patton said that a good plan aggressively executed is better than a procrastinated plan mm. acts, uh, for you know acting that you want the plan to be perfect. Right. And I believe in Patton's thought. I think, you know, I think he, I think if he knows in his heart he's going to make a change, he should do it as, as soon as possible. Um, I'm like Belichick, you know. Make your decision before it becomes... A big mistake. What's the quickest you've ever made a roster change? Meaning like a, we started game one with this guy, but we made a move really quickly. Do you recall? Oh, we just had it. We traded AI. Well, that one was really quick. That was, that was like two days ago. One <laughs> anniversary. I kind of remember that day. And that was, I thought I was, was going to be fired. And that turned out to be a, a couple of years of really fun. Right. Yeah. Some of the best years. Yeah. Um, I'm just always interested in that one because I understand all sides of an argument like that about, hey, you got to give guys, you know, Austin Rivers helped the Nuggets win a playoff series just a couple months ago. Do you give him two games and say, hey, you're not good now? I know you did all this stuff now, but now you're out of there. I just always wonder what's the balance between, hey, these guys have done things for us in the past. I want to give them a chance. Um, I, I don't know. But let's move on, though, to Michael Porter because he's at the heart. I'm going to get back to the bench. We're going to circle there. We're going to spend a lot of time there. But Michael Porter's struggling. He's really been, has not shot the ball well. Is it as simple as that? His shot's just off. This happens, or do you feel like there's something more um, you're seeing from him that's concerning? 
Well, he's gone from a, supposedly one of the top 10 shooters in basketball to a 21% shooter. I think he's one of his last 18 threes. And um, you can tell he's not his balance, his form. Yeah. His legs are goofy, and uh, and he's not getting easy shots. You know, usually guys like that, I just say, well, let the game come to you. Don't force it. And then when you get two or three in a row, then you can force something. Uh, that's not his M.O. right now. He has more of a, I, I'm, I'm going to take this shot, and I can, I'm good enough to make this shot. It's probably taking a little bit too too tough a shot. Um, I mean, I, I I just don't think the first unit has a lot of connection right now. I'm sorry. I oh, know they, they pretty clearly do not. I mean, I, don't I mean, their a... numbers are damn good. When Jokic is one of those numbers, but it just doesn't seem the flow and the the rhythm. It comes and goes now. Like in right. the second and third quarter of last night's game, yeah, they had some good basketball going, but. You know, uh, it's a, it, and there, and then the fourth quarter, it was like slow down, old school basketball, and they made more threes than we made. And they beat us. Because, right, right. I mean, there, there was a stretch in the fourth quarter last night that every scoring opportunity was a three point play for like five minutes. <laughs> I mean, there was a three point play on a foul, and then about seven threes went in. Right. And I'm going. Is that where the game is going now that we're going to try to win games by shooting threes and crazy threes? And sometimes you run into a team. I thought last night, especially in that fourth quarter, I mean, Jaron Jackson made all of his shots. He just didn't miss. He misses one. Maybe Denver gets that one, even with all the other things that happened. But, you know, sticking on Michael Porter here, you mentioned you say a player, let the shots come to you. Do you feel like the reason – because I don't actually think he's taken that many shots. He's been around 10 shots a game. But you're right, he's not finding them. Is the does do the Nuggets need to tailor the offense more towards him to get him comfortable because they need his points, or does it more? Do you think on him to figure out how to get sh- points within the flow of the offense? Hmm. I love when uh, I make you frustrated with a question. <laughs> I, I'm, I think it's a little bit on both. Okay, and my answer to this this question is what I've said all along. You gotta, you gotta put someone on the bench who can score. And okay, we're gonna try to make the rookie our scorer off the bench. Huh? Does that make a lot of sense? I would, I, I think you guys gotta figure it out. Um, and it seems like Will Barton has a little more of a connection with Jokic. I'm not sure of that, but I, I would go to Jokic and I go, Jokic, I'm gonna take one of these guys out of the lineup. What one do you want to play the majority of your minutes with? I think that would be my answer. And I would like it to be more of a team commitment to this rather than, well, I don't like, I want to start. I want to start. Well, why do you want to start? I mean, the game's easier when you play 20 minutes against the bench. If you're playing against the other team's bench, it's not as hard as playing against their starters. I got to push back, though, a little bit. Can you realistically expect Michael Porter Jr. to come off of the bench? He just signed a max contract. I understand it in theory. I understand it in coach speak. I understand this, but there's another aspect. It it doesn't come out. It doesn't. What did Michael Porter Jr. average last year? 25 minutes a game? More than that. More than that. 30? Yeah. Okay. I just go, hey, Michael, you're going to get more than that this year. I promise you. Just give me, give me, let me, let me show you that you're going to average 
more minutes than you've ever averaged before. But you're going to come, did it come off the bench? Have you ever had a max contract player come off the bench on one of your teams? I think probably. I mean, I don't know. It's tough. It's tough. I'm just trying to say, like, we can talk about the basketball and the ideal of it, but there's this other layer to it that is. I think that layer sucks. It does suck, but it I does think it sucks. It does suck. I agree it, with you. It's, but, fan, it's fandom out there making it mean something. Maybe I don't know if I don't. Let's not blame the fans for this. I mean, this is this the way it works. You're right. Maybe in in European leagues this can work, but in the NBA it does mean something, whether it should or shouldn't, and. You just don't see that. Outside of Manu Ginobili, I don't know when a team has made a financial commitment to a player this large and then said, hey, we're going to bring you off the bench. So I just, as much as we can sit here and talk about it, I just don't see it happening. I don't see a world in which not just this team doesn't do it, that Good. any team Then we'll go to Will. We'll get Will to come off. The bench. <laughs> That's 5% less uh, or more likely, <clears throat> but, but unlikely nonetheless. Out, outside of that, so... May, one one area you could do it's, it is funny because we're talking semantics here. Maybe instead of coming off the bench, you just go to your bench early. Some teams do this where it's like, hey, four minutes, we're making our first sub, and maybe that's the solution here. You would like, um, you know, first of all, with Will Barton, I feel like he's been pretty good this year. It sounds like you don't you don't feel that, and you feel the connection <clears throat> aspect maybe with him has been off. I think he's been very good half the games and inconsistent in half the games. He had a bad two-game stretch. Though, and, sure. like, I'm going – I'm getting 28, and then I'm getting 6. I'm getting 24, and then I'm getting 10. I don't, I don't like the inconsistency of the rhythm of that, even though I think Will Barton has played very well, and I'm happy because I've always been a Will Barton guy. Mm. Uh, you know, he's a – but last night he passed the ball better than he has passed it, which I think is right now I like. I want more guy, more, more players other than Jokic making good basketball plays. Right. You'd give Jokic. I mean, part of I think your frustration is if you have Jokic on your team, one of the all-time, in my opinion, best Nuggets we've seen as a team player. He just he understands the five-man concept, and if you give him a team that's connected with smart players, they're going to thrive. And I kind of get the sense you feel this isn't a team that has a ton of smart players. I'm not saying they're dumb. It's just that you don't have a bunch of guys on this roster that you would say, hey, those are guys that can be on Jokic's level in terms of reading the court and, and passing and, and, and this or that. Some reason I'm frustrated with the fact that your best player, your best scorer, your best rebounder, your best passer, and your highest IQ player all was in one player. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's not, you can't even argue it. And so all, so many of the fundamentals of basketball that help you win basketball games, you kind of always have one guy. And and he's becoming a better leader. He's not a great leader yet, but he's, he's definitely making inroads on trying to be more assertive and more demanding of his team. Um, and until you get Jamal back, I think he's probably going to be your best leader, too. I mean, I don't see anyone else. Right. I In mean, the wings. Millsap had a little leadership to him. I thought Rivers last year gave them some veteran leadership. Haven't seen much of that this year. But, you know, and, and I'm not panicking. I right, mean, right, right. I mean, I really believe the way the league sets up training camp and no exhibition games and everybody takes a lot longer getting in shape and, 
you know, the physiology people are saying, well, we can't bring him back too early. I think you, you have a lot of teams. I mean, has Brooklyn played well? Right. Has the Lakers, the Lakers played well? Yeah. Has Clippers played well? Even Milwaukee, the reigning champs. Yeah, I mean, you got a lot of the good teams kind of searching for their, a little bit of a, a foundation that right. comes in training camp that maybe they haven't gotten yet, right. but they can get. Yeah. Um, guys, today's show is brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. I know NFL fans, are you hungry for a big win this week? DraftKings Sportsbook, the official betting uh, partner of the NFL, they've got you covered. New customers can bet $5 on any NFL game to win their game, and if they do, you win $200 in free bets. Winner, winner, chicken dinner, it's that simple. DraftKings Sportsbook customers can get, the, uh, can get skin in the game with the same game parlays. We've been doing this for every Nuggets game now, the same game parlays. They're a lot of fun. Combine multiple bets to get a bigger payout. Uh, the more legs you add, the more money you can win. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code DNVR. Bet $5. Get, uh, and if your team wins, you get $200 in free bets. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See uh, DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Let's talk about this bench. We've talked about Barton. We've talked about Porter. We've talked about Jokic. Um, actually, before we get to the bench, I've been impressed with Aaron Gordon's defense, and I've been impressed with his chemistry with with Jokic. Offensively, I think he's a bit of a limited player, but defensively, last night he guarded John ja Morant. We saw him guard Luka Doncic. Maybe he was, you know, had a little bit of the Rakia hangover or something like that. But he did a great job on him. I think defensively, he's been extremely impressive this year. I think I think he uh, is is taking trying to find out how he can have a major role on this team and how to make it bigger right and instead of forcing the issue with offense he's kind of doing it with doing some dirty right. work and uh, i think malone i think if i was malone right now i'd be putting him on the best defense best offensive player and giving him a defensive assignment every night seems like he likes that uh he's responded well to it and i mean after Jokic, I think Barton and, and Gordon probably have played as well as anybody. I think Gordon's chemistry with Jokic has also been impressive. I mean, again, he's a more limited offensive player, but it does seem like those two guys are reading each other a little bit better than what we saw last year. More cutting. Yeah. More aware of it, that there's a dunk, dunker on the court. Yeah. Uh, which I, th I like as a coach a lot. I like to get dunks into the game. Uh, <clears throat> And he was he was impressive last night, and I don't know why we just don't you know because when when your team can feel guys playing good defense or one guy being really it lifts everybody else to play that way, uh, and maybe Gordon give it give him I mean they're I mean I don't know where they rank in defense but they're high I think they're the third or fourth this year or something like and that and why why do you think they're up that high? Well, because they can't score, they got to play defense at the moment. Why do you think they're so high? The pace, the pace of the game. No, is... no, no. Even adjusted for pace, this is pace adjusted. Oh, it is. Yeah, even pace adjusted. They've been a very good. They held the first four of the first five teams under a hundred points. Even when you adjust for pace, those were very good defensive performances. The Denver been this year. They've been a good defensive. That, team, that formula, I like to see that formula. I think it's tilted. <laughs> the formula is actually very simple. It's points per 100 possessions. So it just, some games are 103 possessions, some games are 98 possessions. But if you do it 
by possession, you know, how many points do they score? You get them. Denver currently fourth, so they've actually they're only behind Utah, Miami, and Golden State um, through eight games. I think the defense has been very good. It's just that offensively, it's been clunky outside of outside of Jokic. But let's get to this bench unit. I know you don't like rookies, so let's get it out of the way. That's, that's no, true. Well, no, no. I know you don't. You you see the flaws in them, and guy and fan bases maybe can overreact. But I want to ask you about Bones Highland because this bench unit has been so. Uh, in my opinion, flawed for a couple reasons. They don't have guys that can really get into the paint and finish. There's not a lot of like pressure you're putting on the paint at all. You don't have bigs that can lo- roll to the rim. You don't have great shooting. Bones Highland's a very good, I think, pick-and-roll player. And he has been one of one of the things that uh, – Malone's done a couple different things, but he's been one of the things of, hey, let's bring this guy in and let's try to get, get him putting pressure on the rim. What have you seen from him so far for the Nuggets, and how would you analyze him? He's going to be an NBA player. He's a young scoring guy. His asset is he scores. Yeah. His asset, he might score a little bit differently than some other guys. But his asset is he's taking shots away from other people. And playing a young kid in a tough situation, you know, there's some merit to that. But, you know, I've always tilted to to give the veteran guy the more – Right. The guy that's been there before has felt this pressure. But, you know, right now, he's playing as well as Austin Rivers. He's playing as well as Fasu. Faku. Uh, and he's playing as well as the, the Dozier. Kid, Dozier. So, you know, I, I think playing him right now makes some sense. But I probably like role definition more than, un, you know, uh, something that might shake the confidence in everybody's confidence a little bit. You think that second unit has lost, collectively has lost confidence? Well, they, they, they don't play well, so uh, they're not yeah. playing well. I mean, I mean, it's not minus one or three. Right. It's minus ten. Yeah, it's minus a lot. You know, it's like <laughs> the plus minus is just, hey, yeah. this, this doesn't, you got to look at this. This is a problem. Right. right. And their three-point shooting is a problem. Right. Do the pieces there – I mean, I just wonder. So you have Jamichael Green and Jeff Green. Neither of those guys are centers, and neither of them are above-the-rim threats. You could create a lot of gravity by having a guy roll to the rim, a DeAndre Jordan, because they're worried about the lobby, worried about this or that. You also have Faku and Dozier and before Austin Rivers, guys who couldn't get into the paint and finish. I mean, guys – Faku will get in the paint. Guys will block his shot. So I feel like I don't know where the problems are. If it's any one guy if, or if it's just, hey, these guys have some talent, but together you have too many things none of the guys can do. I agree, I, I, I agree that you need more attacks of the rim. You need the ball into the paint, and that's where defensive, defense, even good defensive teams make mistakes on how to cover the ball in the paint. And that's why you take it to the paint. Yeah. Uh, so... Uh, yeah. I mean, finding that guy, I don't know who that guy is right now, to be honest with And I think that's part of what Malone is doing right now is he's looking around and, and, and saying, three who men, is that guy? And your three men don't give you, unless you're playing three guards, don't give you that that playmaking yeah. guy. A, a wing I mean, leader. Porter looking to shoot. Uh, Barton wants to score it. Uh, you know, I think, I think you know, uh, I, I mean, it's it doesn't have a lot of flow. 
doesn't yeah. have a lot of rhythm right now. Right. What goes into a coach's preference? Some coaches like to stagger right away. And you play a couple minutes with your starters, and then you stagger, and you don't really get back to that maybe until the fourth quarter or start a second, whatever. And some coaches love to play their starters together for nine minutes, and then you stagger for a couple minutes, then you have your bench together for five, six minutes. What goes into a coach's preference for whether or not to stagger a lot and early or to stagger very little and keep five-man units together? I'm not a believer in the five-man unit thing. Okay. I mean, my belief is I, I like a starring lineup that there's at least one position that might not be a, a finisher. I, I actually like maybe two positions that you might finish. Easier, more clarity what you're doing. Yeah, you're, you're letting the game tell me who to play at the end of the game. It's not, it's not me saying this is going to be my finishing lineup. Oh, I got you. Every uh, night you're saying? Every night. Oh, okay. Every night. I, I, and so I guess you're asking me, I, I like mixing and matching. I'm like, I like... I like start. I like, you know. You say start substituting at four minutes. I kind of like. I waited to six. Okay. John Stockton was taken out of almost every game at the six minute mark. Right. Uh, when he played at Utah, because he played better with the second unit, so you take him out and put him back in. And and that's the thing you're searching for. Is there a rotation that makes the guys that aren't playing well together now play together and find. Some good basketball. So who, what are some of the combinations maybe you think you could see a little bit more of? I mean, would you try Jokic more with that second unit like they did last night where they took everybody out of the starting lineup four minutes into the game and, and put Jokic with the bench guys? Or, you know, what else? You mentioned earlier also Barton and maybe Michael Porter with the second unit. Well, I think the second unit needs more scoring and more confidence in their shooting. Uh, but that... I mean, right now, the shooting scares me a little bit. Yeah. Because the, it's bad. It's really bad. As right now, Denver has dropped and they're making shots because they made a lot of shots last year. Now, Murray was in most of those games, but right. even without Murray, they made a lot of shots. I don't have that confidence in their shooting right now. And most of the NBA teams, I think, the, the teams that are playing well right now have upgraded their three-point shooting. Right. They're elevating their – I mean, you have a lot of teams trying to shoot a lot of threes. Right. I mean, last – I don't know. The Knicks are maybe the, the best example of this. They've got – all of a sudden, they've got all kinds of three-point shooters. Yeah, and, and Tibbs is not a three-point guy. Right. <laughs> and, you know, almost every night, I think some teams is getting 20 or close to 20 threes right. going in. That's a lot. And when you lose the three-point line 20 to 7, right. I don't know no how chance. you win. You I, don't, I have no idea how you win. To your point, Denver's third worst three-point percentage in the season. The only teams worse with uh, shooting the three this year in terms of three-point field goal percentage are the Thunder and the Pistons, two of the worst teams in the NBA. So Denver's in bad company when it comes to their ability to make the three right now. Um, well, where are they in points in the paint? Um, I can look that up for you here in just a second. Let me see here. Miscellaneous points in the paint. Um, they are, and this is per game, so this isn't pace adjusted. Uh, Denver is 10th. 10th in points in the paint. What's the number? 48 points per game. That's Four, pretty good. 48.3 points in the paint. Um, that's Jokic. That's <laughs> a lot of Jokic. Yeah, there's <laughs> a, lot, a lot one guy uh, and, and how he creates it. What about this upcoming five-game homestand now? So 
you know, it's been fragmented. Game here, game on the road. Game here, game on the road. A little bit of a road trip here. Five-game homestand early in the season as a coach. What What is the opportunity and sort of what are you looking at here um, eight games in with a five-game homestand? Well, I'm looking at it as seven out of eight. And they're home this month. And they're not home very much in December. Oh, right. Yeah, December is the opposite. I mean, yep. December, I think they have three home games. Yeah, they're, yep. So I think you got to get a, you know, you got to dig out of this hole a little bit. So seven out of eight, if you get six or seven wins, you're probably stabilizing a little bit. You gotta, you're going to have to play well to do that. Uh, but that would stabilize my discontentment. Uh, but they got good teams. Houston's the only easy team. Right. Uh, I think they go to Dallas. I think they have Miami twice in the month of November. Uh, I think they got Indiana in there. Do you look this far ahead as a coach? I mean, I always hear from coaches, you know, I only the game ahead. And I know that's a little bit of okay, uh, I I block. I've always done 20 games. 20, right. The first 20 games, the second 20 games. I've always challenged my teams a quarter of the season. like, And I wanted to win, you know, in the month. I wanted to win. I wanted to have three months where I won double digits. Right. You know, so you're probably not going to get to that in November unless you start playing better. Uh, to your point, so it is seven out of eight games are at home here with the one Dallas game being the road one. And you've got the top of the Eastern Conference in that stretch. You've got Miami. We've got Dallas uh, – or, sorry, Miami, Philadelphia, and Chicago all come to town. So those, are, uh-huh. those aren't those are easy ones. They're by no means easy. You've even got Atlanta and Indiana, which will be tough. So, um, But I just feel like early on in the season, getting to be in the same place, especially if that same place is home, if you get to be home for five games, which comes out to probably eight, nine days – that I, I just wonder if that can help, if that aids the stabilizing process. I definitely think it can help. I mean, guys not playing well. Younger players play better at home. Guys that don't play, that are searching for confidence will play better on their home court. No question about that. But I think what I'm searching for not only is better individual play, but I want to see better connection. I want to see better right. energy. Yep. I want to see better positive basketball. It seems like they're heavy out there. Yeah. It seems like their body language is not bad, but it's drifting in that direction. Their energy, they're worried instead of confident. Their energy is more individualistic than camaraderie oriented. There's, there's a lot of little things in the game of basketball that winners know how to hap- make happen. And I'm not saying these guys... This is more in the leadership of a winning than talent of mm. winning. Yeah. Uh, you know, you know, um, Nate McMillan and Chauncey Billups were the two greatest leaders I've ever had. And it had nothing to do with their skills. Right. It had the ability to make something bad into good and take good and make it special and always elevating what's going on on the court. As a coach, when you see a team playing with that weight that you're talking about, do you change your approach? Meaning, you know, you can be really tough on guys. You get you get in a presser and you rip guys and you say this or that. And you start to see the confidence drift. You, I got to be careful with. That. I got to be really conscious sure. that this is a, a group losing confidence. Yeah, I mean, you know, <clears throat> we always our beginning of our every meeting was on 
attitude and ego. Really? The first thing in the meeting? Every meet, every night after a game, especially. The temperature, okay. okay. Who's happy? Who isn't happy? Who's got to be kissed? Who's got to be kicked? Ah, <laughs> uh, you know. Yeah. And, and you know, the, I think we've talked a little bit about the joy of basketball is winning. Right. Winning a big game. Winning when right. you're not supposed to win. You know, the joy has kind of been taken out because there's so many guys now, even in a 20-point win, kind of have some complaints. Yeah. And I'm going, we shouldn't, there should be no complaints when you win by 20. <laughs> we did a job. We did it at a high, right. high level. Celebrate. Be joyful. But that doesn't happen anymore. I mean, my assistants once told me that when I'm clearing the bench, how I clear the bench, if I pick the wrong guy at 11, it pisses off the guy at 10. And I go, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> they said, no, coach, they get pissed off. I go, no, you got to be kidding me. Because I was that bench guy. <laughs> you know, I mean, hell, I'm getting to play basketball. Let's go in there. I got a 20-point lead. I'm going to go, go enjoy life. Oh, my goodness. Uh, what are you looking for? Uh, in this coming, you know, the next week. We're going to talk again here in a couple of weeks, but what are, what are you looking for over the next two weeks with the Nuggets? Where's your attention? Well, I think the first thing that comes to mind is, is there going to be a, uh, a rotational change? Right. Knowing Malone, I don't think that's going to happen, but that's probably, I, maybe I'm wrong. The other thing would be the bench and finding, finding a, uh, a responsible commitment that we can stand behind and improve. And then in general, I think Porter and the shootings got to turn around. Yeah, yeah. The shooting is a big one. And like you said, at home, hopefully you get a little rhythm going. You're shooting on the same net. And I feel it's funny you mentioned LaMelo earlier about his shooting. I agree or disagree with me. I think confidence is probably underrated in how important it is to a professional player's shooting. LaMelo Ball right now, it's early in his career. He has just so much confidence. So he's got that form. He's got all this stuff, and he just makes them, and he's got all this confidence. I look at Michael Porter. I think he's got a, a perfect form. Does he misbalance from time to time? Sure, yeah, okay. But his confidence is very low right now. You could tell that. And I wonder, like, sometimes you have to fight through that low confidence, start making them to get your confidence up, and then it snowballs that direction. He's always snowballing in a different direction. More confidence, easier shots made. Less confidence, tougher shots made. <clears throat> Confidence is a fleeing. It's it's it flee. I mean, I'm a, I've everybody in the NBA thinks every NBA player is confident. Right, not not the case. <laughs> I would say about twenty percent of the NBA is really confident, and then there might be another twenty to thirty percent that, you know, w if they do lose their confidence, it'll be for a short period of time. Right. But the majority, of, I'm I'm thinking the vast majority in the NBA is searching for a confidence, and. When they get in the game, can they find the rhythm? Can they find flow? Can they get an easy basket? And can they have a really good game? Because the game is only structured to the top two or three guys on your roster. Right, yeah. To have an open window to have a good game. Right. The other guys got to find that window. Right. They got to find the flow. They got to find the spirit of the game tilting their way. Right. You know, get lucky for, you know, get an offensive rebound or get lucky for a layup. Right. You know, anything to get your, your – and most of the confidence comes from the offensive end of the court. Hmm. 
How who's confident on the? Is there any player on the Nuggets roster you feel has unshakable confidence or or one of those twenty percent? Well, Barton and Jokic come to mind. I mean, I mean, they're nights where I think Barton is too confident. <laughs> but Jokic is. I mean, I think Jokic right now. I said this. I I spoke to the Denver University basketball team. I said, you guys don't understand. If Jokic wanted to get 50 <laughs> tonight, he can get 50. Yeah. And maybe we want him a little hungry. I, that's not my normal for. That's not right. my. That's not my, not my normal thought. But you know, the guy is a machine right now, and it's fun to watch. But it's not fun to lose. So right. I think we got to figure it out. You think he could get 50, huh? I always wonder what his upside would be as a scorer. If that's what he was. If he just said, I'm t- I just want to be a scorer. I want to see what I can no, do. Oh, he's a great shooter, man. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, we were all shocked last night that he missed that shot. Yeah. He I was would. fouled. He was fouled. I was, this is why, because I was so shocked too. I could not believe that he missed it short. And then somebody showed me the video and I thought, okay, now it makes sense to me. Hey, man. Is the hand a part of the ball? Well, it wasn't the hand, though, but it doesn't matter. We don't have to argue. It happens. It, it happens. it happens it? in basketball. Where was it? I'd say about right there, a little lower than where you were before. But he had some fingers on the hand? No, he had no fingers on the hand here. <laughs> he had no fingers. It doesn't matter, though. It doesn't matter here. I'll, actually, you know what? We'll play it right here for you. You can, you can get the – I'll see George's reaction live here. Does he get the hand? Ooh. <laughs> I mean, it happens. That's the NBA, though. It happens. It's, there's nothing you can do about it. Well, the guy it. made a good. He had good defensive position, and he jumped. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did. A Most good of job the time, Jokic has this guy off balance. Yoke just never misses those. And when he missed that one, I just was so shocked. And he I got fouled. I didn't see it till an hour or two later. And that, I thought, oh. that referee got reprimanded this morning. <laughs> he might have had a talking to. Um, uh, we have some questions in the chat there, Kale. Before we wrap up. Yep, just a couple. Do you think Bull will get any chance with the Los Dos Verdes play right now? I mean, you guys are asking. It's hilarious who asked this one. Who's the one that asked it here? Um, Cadell Nixon. Cadell Nixon. So I think you think you're going to ask me, and I will tell you my answer. There's no chance. There's not a chance on earth that he's going to go to I think he's going to some time in Grand Rapids. Yeah, yeah, Grand Rapids. Is it Grand yeah. Rapids? Yeah. That's where I think you should go get some time. I, that, that question is so hilarious, though, Kale, to me because it's – if I'm saying no, I can only imagine what, what Coach Carl thinks about, hey, let's try out Bull Bull. I think he should play. I think he should play in Grand Rapids right. because I kind of like how he plays. You like how Bull Bull plays? This is a surprise. Well, he's not a big guy. He's course, a big guy yeah. that he's plays. Tall. Yeah. He's a tall guy that plays like a 3-4 man. Yeah. And that guy, guess what? That's where the game's going a little bit. We're going to have seven-foot ball handlers pretty someday. So is he a 3 well, I wouldn't want to see him. Well, you know, you, I think he can play five because he's not a bad rebounder. Yeah. I mean, he's just – his body is yeah soft and weak. Yeah. What else we got? Uh, here we go. We got one from Byron. Right. How difficult is it to do more with this bench when you have two of the exact same players in the greens, Jermichael Green and Jeff Green? They always want to be in the same place doing the same things. I don't know how much I think they're the same player, but they do run pick and pop. They both like to run the pick and pop. We it's pick and pop only works if you have pick and roll. If you only have pick and pop, it can be covered. Right. You need you need a threat on the tip of the rim right. rolling to the basket. Now Jokic goes sometimes, 
But I think he, I would say his percentage is he's a pick and pop guy. Right. So can we find someone that can give them a little bit of pick and roll? We used to do a training camp where the first two weeks there was, everybody had to pick and roll. Had to roll, all players. And then after two weeks, we allowed Wilson Chandler to pop. Yeah, or Gallo like to that, pop. Yeah. But we, everybody had to roll early in the camp. Because players will take the pop to, option. To show why we need this roll guy. Right. This opens the game up for everybody else if we have a roll guy to the basket. That's the thing about cutting in general is that in a roll is really a cut in a lot of ways. But right. it's, it's that... Most of the time, when you do it well, somebody else gets the benefit of it, and it's but and you don't always see it, and everybody else doesn't always see it. But you're right, putting that pressure on the rim. Is there another one, Kale? Yep. Uh, what, what do you guys? guys think, oh, what do you guys think of some Aaron at the five minutes with the bench? Someone who can genuinely put that pressure on the rim, uh, maybe can help that unit. <clears throat> well, all I know is when my big guys weren't playing well, I went little. Okay, yeah. And Aaron Gordon at five and against twenty NBA teams can get away with it. But you know, the it's a dynamic personality change a little bit, even though the green kids are a lot like Gordon. Uh, but you know, I mean, I think you gotta I, I, if it, I would have no problem trying that lineup, to be honest with you. Put four guards out there with Gordon and play small. There's a lot of NBA teams playing that way. Can you just play Gordon with, let's say, Jermichael Green? And Jermichael Green maybe guards the fives, but but Aaron Gordon is your roller. So you have he's playing what is traditionally the five as the roll man. Yeah, you can trick teams into switching the right, right, the right defender right. that you want in the pick and roll. You can right. roll box to box with bigs and they'll switch it. Right. What you're trying to do is get it, you know, so much of the game is put the weak, defenders in the pick and roll right right yeah. you know or sometimes put them on the weak side to where they give up the three ball but mostly now it is put them in the pick and roll though right. it does seem yeah try to get your two best i mean I, I remember a long time ago we had magic and cream and put a little, that's that was our offense run pick and roll with magic and cream just make them guard as much as possible yeah. wear them down make them make mistakes all right one more yep Sometimes I would rather have 10 players who are all similar quality so you don't lose anything with first and second unit. I know Europe basketball is much different, but Coach Carl, check partisan now. Yeah. Coach Carl, check, yeah, check partisan now, question mark. Um, you kind of seem, I, I, from our conversations, I think you're against this. You like an established, this is our first best guy, this is our second best guy, this is our fifth best guy, this is our, or do you like it maybe if it is more ambiguous where the top and bottom of a roster is mm, i'm not sure i have that much structure uh because i i like guys to go out and try to play great yeah you know i mean but i think you got to have defined responsibilities and rules especially to offensive situations shot selection turnovers uh, you know, offensive rebounding responsibility. All those things, there's there's some fundamentals you need in every game at a high level. Yeah. Okay. How are the Nuggets going to do th this next one? What do you kind of think? What's your sense of how they're going to play here over the next couple? Uh, we'll just say next week. Mm, I'm, I'm hoping for six and two, but I'm thinking it's five and three. Okay. Okay. Well, I, I don't think they get Dallas and Dallas. And so that's a back to back road back to back is always tough. Will they ever can they get, uh, you know, 
can they get every game at home? Those are good teams. It's going to be I tough. I mean, those are good teams, so I'm giving them one loss. And uh, if they did that, I think uh, we'll all be happy next time we talk. Hmm. Well, there you go. That does it. That wraps it up for this edition of the Keeping It 1000. If you guys missed last week's, we had LaFonzo Ellis on as part of our Legend series. I know we're going to continue doing that Legend series. It was a fantastic conversation. George Carl and LaFonzo Ellis, of course, both part of that 94 incredible uh, series, and we talked about that from both perspectives. Why I does your voice great... get energized when we talk about this? <laughs> it was a great conversation. Oh, you're happy about LaFonzo Ellis. <laughs> I'm going to ask for more salary. <laughs> I need a raise. Hit that like button on the way out. And don't forget, guys, this is also a podcast. So if you're in your car, if you ever want to catch this and you didn't, the Keeping It 1000 podcast, its own podcast feed, you can go in there and give a rating on iTunes. Give us the five stars. Tell us you enjoy hearing from Coach about the Nuggets. Uh, and everybody else, we'll see you guys next week.